Hello, and welcome back to the San Francisco Giants edition of the For the Fans, By the Fans podcast, where we bring you your weekly dose of all things San Francisco Giants baseball from the fans' perspective. I'm a lifelong Giants fan and your host, Benjamin Shapiro. As the Giants welcome back half of their roster and hope to build momentum before the All-Star break, we welcome in Zach Routman. Zach is an in-house fishing guide and a physical therapy student in Miami, Florida, and he's one of the very few Miami Marlins fans. But before Zach tells us about the Giancarlo Stanton jersey that he burned this winter, I want to remind you that this podcast is brought to you on behalf of our friends at Fanatics. Fanatics is the global leader in licensed sports merchandising. They have the world's largest collection of official sports apparel from the leagues, teams, and players you love. And while they provide jersey insurance, if a jersey that you buy for a player is traded, they don't insure it if you light it on fire. That said, if you're looking to pick up a new jersey, maybe somebody on the Miami Marlins whose name you probably don't know if you're a Giants fan, you can head over to ftfbtf.com fanatics, or you can click the link in our show notes, and they'll kick us a couple of bucks to help with the production of this show. So that said, Zach, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. It's great to have you. It's wonderful to find a Miami Marlins fan. And I have to tell you, I had to search pretty hard to find one. Turns out you are my wife's last roommate's younger brother. That's the third connection to find a Miami Marlins fan. Where have you been hiding? Well, not only did you have to struggle to find a Miami Marlins fan, but you also had to struggle to find one that actually speaks English. (laughs) (laughs) That might be true. I guess that's life in Southern Florida. Life in Miami, yeah. So before we start talking about baseball and Miami Marlins... I have to tell you that there's a funny moment in Giants-Miami-Marlins baseball history that I have to recap with you. When my now wife and I were just dating, I was falling asleep in the 10th inning of a baseball game. I closed my eyes trying to make it into the late innings, and when I opened them, I saw Scott Cousins barrel into Buster Posey, and I had no idea whether it was a nightmare or not. It's one of the worst moments in my baseball history life. Miami Marlins, San Francisco Giants. I was sleeping in the room next to where your sister lived for years and saw Buster Posey break his ankle. I thought the world was going down in flames. Tell me what the hell happened there. Well, he can't be standing on the tracks when the train's coming down, I guess. But he was blocking the plate and the throw came in and our guy just barreled into him and had to make a play at the plate. It's kind of funny that that happened because it really set the stage for creating that rule in baseball where you can no longer block the plate, which is pretty unfortunate in my eyes because, to me, that's one of the funner plays in baseball. You know, it's just a young guy that was trying to stick in the major leagues, and at the time, that's what the rule was, so I don't think you can call it a dirty play, but it was definitely aggressive, and it definitely took the Giants out of the 2011 season. We were just a train wreck after Posey got injured. Yeah, I'm sure it's different if you talk to Giants fans, but I don't think he meant any harm or anything by taking him down at the plate. I think he was just trying to score a run for his team in a hard play. I totally agree with you. And his reaction seemed genuine after the play where he went over to Posey and was genuinely concerned that he was injured. And if anything else, I felt first and foremost bad for Posey. It was a devastating injury and it was amazing how he bounced back. But I also felt bad for Scott Cousins. He he definitely hurt the face of the Giants franchise and he sort of wore that one. And I think that's what people think about him and his baseball career. Right. You never want to be that guy. Yeah. So to talk about a brighter note, tell me a little bit about life as a Miami Marlins fan. How did you become a Marlins fan? 
Well, I don't know if that's necessarily anything brighter, but I will tell you how I became a Marlins fan. I grew up in South Florida and kind of just a product of my environment. So was a Marlins, Dolphins, Heat, Florida Panthers fan growing up. We actually had season tickets to the Marlins game at the old stadium when I was a kid growing up. And one of my first memories of baseball is going to that stadium. And we even went to the World Series in 97, which at that time I was probably six years old. So that was a good memory. And then I went to the World Series in 2003. The good thing is that the Miami Marlins have never lost a playoff series. They've only been to the playoffs two times and both times that they've won it all as wild cards as well. I think that's one of the things that sticks out to me as a Giants fan thinking about the Marlins is you've really experienced the highest highs, that you've won two World Series in the franchise's short history. On the flip side, you've also seen the lowest lows. And I think that this year is probably emblematic of sort of the bottom of the barrel. When I look at the standings right now, the Marlins are not the worst team in baseball. They're a half game ahead of the Cincinnati Reds. But it can't be a fun brand of baseball. The run differential for the Marlins, you've given up 109 runs more than you've scored, which leads Major League Baseball by a fair amount, by six runs. What's the season been like this year, and are you doing okay? It's definitely tough kind of coming into the season. We weren't really expecting much, but this happens all the time with the Marlins, unfortunately. It happened back when our owner, Jeffrey Loria, came in and even back to Kaizenga after the 97 World Series. I mean, that team dissolved instantly. It seems like anyone who owns the Marlins never really wants to pay their players, which is unfortunate because we've always had really good players and could have kind of turned it into a dynasty or at least a few years of making the playoffs. But it seems like every time we get a few good players, management and ownership wants to ship them off. So what's causing that? Is it a factor of the management trying to make money and sell when the market's high? Or is it a product of the level of interest in Miami for baseball? Do they see that they can win and still not make money so they sell the assets and flip the team? I think it's a product of both. But you look at Loria and he bought the team for the low hundreds of millions of dollars, I believe. And then he just sold it to the Jeter group for in the low $1 billion mark or somewhere around there. He made a couple of bucks. Yeah, he made plenty of money. It wasn't like he wasn't making any money. And it wouldn't have taken that much more to just pay his players a little bit. If you look in the history of the payrolls, the Marlins are always at the bottom. Even when we've had good players on our team, even when John Carl Stanton last year, we still weren't even that high in the payroll. I do want to talk about John Carlos Stanton, formerly Mike Stanton. But before we get there, I was looking over the Giants playoff series against the Marlins in 2003. They played in the divisional championship. And looking through some of the players on your roster and ours, there are some just amazing wayback machine names. You know, I look through the Marlins lineup and you have players like Ivan Rodriguez, Hall of Fame catcher, Dontrell Willis, Josh Beckett. Carl Pavano, who dated Alyssa Milano, and my favorite is Ugeth Urbina, name that you can't forget. And there's Mr. Marlin, Jeff Conine. So there was a lot of talent on those teams that not only was great for the Marlins, but also went other places and ended up being very successful. Miguel Cabrera, I forgot him. He was pretty good. Namely, yeah. Mike Lowell. I mean, a ton of guys. Yeah. And just for the Giants fans that are there, going back to the 2003 series, some of the names on our list, also amazing. Pedro Feliz, Edgardo Alfonso against the Marlins, hit 529 in a playoff series. Killed us. Nafi Perez, 
Marquise Grissom, Benito Santiago, Andres Galarraga, Jorvi Torrealba. I mean, obviously it was a while back, but some names that we haven't heard in a while playing in that series. What do you remember about the 2003 playoffs? Obviously the Bartman issue comes to mind with that playoffs when we played the Cubs. But it was just a team that, you know, young, we started the season, no one really thought that we were going to be much of anything. And then we came in and just shocked the sports world, really. I mean, if you ask any panel of experts at the beginning of that season, who's going to win the World Series, I guarantee you nobody selected the Marlins. I don't think anybody knew who Josh Beckett was yet. Turns out he was a pretty good pitcher. And no one knew who Dontrell Willis was either. And he came in with the high leg kick. And I don't even know if his stuff was that good, but it might have just been a factor that nobody had ever seen that kind of delivery and it just threw him off. You know, Oakland's own Dontrell Willis fan favorite, mostly for probably A's fans, but always a great personality. And I think he grew up a Giants fan. That would make sense growing up in the, well, either that or an A's fan. Yeah, I think he was a Giants fan. So we've seen each other in the playoffs and the Marlins haven't been there much. Doesn't look like you guys are going to make it this year. Let's talk a little bit about what your offseason was like. That seems to be the most interesting thing about the Marlins. What was it like to have the ownership group change and then there was a fire sale of the key players? Well, initially when it happened, we've had Loria for so long and he's been refusing to pay his players and been shipping out all our best players. So every South Florida Marlins fan hated Loria. So when he sold the group, the initial reaction was jubilation and joy. Oh, finally, somebody else is going to come in. We thought they were going to come in and keep all their players and sign them. And from my perspective, the only thing that the Jeter group had to do to come in was nothing. If you gave that team another chance, maybe added a few pitching pieces, we had a bright young lineup. I mean, we had potentially, arguably, the best outfield in all of baseball. We had Yelich, Ozuna, Stanton, Bohr at first place. Good trio. Yeah, D. Gordon. Shortstop was a little suspect, but then... Martin Prado at third base and JT Realmuto, who's one of the up-and-coming catchers in this league. And if you just add pitching, then that team could have really done something. Uh, I really would have loved to see one more year with that group together. But your life story as a Marlins fan, it seems like that always kind of happens. Let's talk about Giancarlo Stanton for a second. In the offseason, the Giants were actively trying to sign him, had a trade on the table, and he basically said, no, I don't want to be a Giant. I'm going to go somewhere else. He obviously ends up being a Yankee, and now he's crushing the balls in a park the size of a shoebox. Right. Were you excited to see him potentially get traded to the Giants? Did you want to see him go to the Yankees? What's the other side of that trade look like? Well, in my mind, I wanted to see him stay because I knew that if anything, we were just going to get some prospects for him and unload a bunch of cash, which doesn't really help me. It just helps the organization. So I didn't really care to see where he went. I really wanted to have him here. I mean, I remember going to the game last year when he hit his 50th home run. And that was the most lively I've seen a Marlins crowd in years. So he was a fan gatherer and hyped the crowd and really revved up sales, I thought. And then we sent him away. So it is kind of tough seeing him in the pinstripes, like you said, in a shoebox stadium. It's devastating. And I feel like the word that I think of every time I look at that Yankees lineup is gluttony. Yeah. I mean, they're willing to spend the money for the big time players. And by all means, hats off to them for wanting to do that. I wish my organization would do that, but we don't. So how does the team feel about the Derek Jetership ownership group? Is it, hey, this is more of the same, you sold off all the players, or do you have a sense that they're trying to bottom out and build the right way? Well, at first glimpse, you think, yeah, oh, here we go again. This is the same thing that we've been used to. But at the same time, it is an ownership group that is new to the organization, to the fans. So I think the only acceptable thing to do is, and the only thing we can do is give these guys a chance. 
and hopefully they come in and turn us around. And yeah, I understand starting from the bottom up. We'll see when time comes, if it gets to that point where we finally do have a few star players that we found, some of our prospects turn into true athletes, things like that. If they keep those guys and then really kind of do what the Astros did and turn an organization around really quickly, but only time will tell. So tell me what Giants fans need to know about this Marlins team. We're heading in the first series of the season against them. Anybody that's any good, obviously a lot of youth, what should we be looking for? So JT Realmuto, like I said, is one of the up-and-coming catchers in the league. He can do it all. I mean, he's got, they'll say speed for a catcher, but he's got speed for anyone. I mean, he can steal bases. He can do it all. Justin Bohr, first baseman, no gloves, no problem. He can crank the ball out of the park. And then... <laughs> Did you say no gloves, no problem? He doesn't wear batting gloves, so... No. I thought you meant he can't catch the ball. <laughs> no, no, no. Surprisingly pretty nimble for a big fella. Mm-hmm. Then we got Anderson in the outfields, who's a rookie playing right field, normally plays third base, but we have Prado in there. So he's doing his rookie role and playing just wherever he can get on the field, which is currently right field. And he's got a pretty good arm and he's batting like 270 something with a few home runs. He's in the discussion for rookie of the year right now. So the Marlins kind of have to hope that more guys like him develop. And we had one of the prospects that we sent to Yelich to the Brewers for is a guy named Lewis Brinson, who had a promising spring training batting 300 and now he's batting i think 150 168 168 yeah. yeah so looking at the lineup for the giants fans i see jt real muto is batting 311 six home runs 19 rbis brian anderson almost hitting 300 looks like starling castro who's been around he was on the cubs close to 300 and Derek dietrich hitting 284 uh, there's also Jason Bohr with 10 home runs. So not a lot of power in the lineup, but you have some guys that are hitting around 300. It's the They can hit a little bit. They can hit a little bit and make some noise. Pitching is very suspect. I mean, we had Ziegler in there closing, and I can't even count the number of times that he's blown a save. But we do have this one guy who's probably one of our most exciting players to watch. I believe his last name's Guerrero, and he's throwing in the hundreds coming out of the bullpen for relief. Tehran Guerrero. Yeah, he can really put some heat down the plate. So, How about the starters? Anybody uh, any good? No, nah, there's no one that's <laughs> no. really your quote-unquote ace that's going to come in and can maybe get you a no-hitter or something like that. We actually had this guy, Harlan Garcia. We called him Harlan the Marlin or Starlin the Marlin. We got those two guys going for us. But Harlan actually had a no-hitter through seven, but we took him out and with like only like 70-something pitches because he was normally a relief pitcher. He actually just got designated to assignment, so <laughs> <laughs> I think haters caught up pretty quickly to him. Well, I won't beat you up too much about asking you who we should look for on the pitching staff. It sounds like the answer is there's not much except a couple of guys that throw the ball real hard. So for Giants fans, it's looking like uh, we should have the bats ready, but we might need to score a couple runs because there's some guys on your team who can put the ball in play. Tell me a little bit about the stadium experience for the Marlins. Looks like the stadium is relatively empty. And, uh, you know, when somebody hits a home run, there's like fish dancing and fireworks and uh, carnival rides or whatever the hell that thing is. Yeah, they got the home run sculpture. I heard somewhere that the Jeter group was doing away with that. But last I checked, it was still in use. I mean, we haven't hit too many home runs this year, but... Is it collecting dust? (laughs) Yeah, I think it's collecting dust back there. I don't know what they're going to do with it, but... Yeah, like you said, there's not too many people at the games. It's very easy to get a ticket. You don't have to pay a lot of money. 
I even have a friend of a friend who works with the Marlins and she gets tickets to the game. So I don't even really pay for tickets when I go to the games, fortunately. But even if I did, you know, you're not paying more than 10 bucks for a ticket. And it's not like you really have to pay for a premium seat because it's not as if they really care who's who's sitting anywhere. Yeah. yeah so they just want people in the seat so you can kind of buy a seat in the outfield and work your way around and by the fourth or fifth inning they don't even care and you can kind of just go sit wherever you want hey if it makes you feel better the giants sold out the stadium for five years or something in a row and my dad who has been on this podcast multiple times and lives two blocks away from the stadium scalps a ticket for 10 bucks walks around and sits wherever the hell he wants so that's not necessarily just a marlins thing right maybe it's just a jewish dad thing yeah <laughs> well maybe just jewish in general i'm also jewish so there you go <laughs> <laughs> with a name like routman <laughs> yeah but the stadium is cool i mean there's a budweiser bar in the back and some places to eat and other little concessions all the way around the main concourse of the stadium and you can really see the game from any one of those places. You don't even really have to be sitting in a seat to see the game or get a good perspective. But, you know, it's just like anywhere else that you go. They're going to get you on concessions. It's $12 for a beer or something like that. and $15 for a personal pizza and all that stuff. So it sounds like a little bit of a ghost town in terms of watching the Marlins games. Give me a, give me a parting shot. Any good stories about going to Marlins game? Good time you had at a game? Anything Giants related? Send us out on a high note. So recently when I was at a game, it was raining outside, pretty typical Marlins game, not too many people there. We're back at the Budweiser bar and they stopped beer sales in the seventh inning or so. They don't want people driving drunk or whatever. And they desert the Budweiser bar. There's no one behind there. There's no one working. So next thing you know, I just see somebody go up there and go to the tab and pour themselves a beer. So the rest of us don't think that's too bad of an idea. And so we had free beer from the seventh to the ninth inning at the end of the game there. So you heard it here, folks. Free beer in the Marlins game <laughs> from the 7th to the ninth inning. Everyone drive home safely. And that's a wrap for today's show. Our plan is to do this a couple times a week. So if you want more Giants baseball in your podcast feed, click that subscribe button. Also, since we're just ramping up, we'd love for you to give us a rating in the iTunes store. Have any questions for us? You can reach us at forthefansbythefans.com. Go to ftfbtf.com. Or you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at FTFBTF. Thanks again to our friends at Fanatics. If you're going to go buy your Giants gear or your Marlins gear or your not Giancarlo Stanton gear, click the link in our show notes or go to FTFBTF.com slash Fanatics. And our friends at Fanatics will kick us a couple of bucks to help pay for the production of this show. That's it for this time. Go Giants. And until next time, swing and a miss. And that's it.